Hey there, welcome to Incremental's podcast channel, Podrick the Podcast. In our series, we are all mad here. I, Maor Sadra, have one-on-one, super casual interviews with interesting people from all sides of the marketing industry. I was truly honored to interview today's guests, Andy Carvel from Feature, spelled with a PH. Andy is simply awesome. I actually think Andy has no idea how awesome he is, given some of the things he mentioned during the interview. Rather than spoil too much, I'll shut up now and allow you to listen to our conversation. P.S. If you like our podcast, please subscribe. We do publish interviews weekly, and all of the interviews are just as casual as this one. We never really try to sell you anything. P.P.S. If anyone is interested in a 1989 Honda Accord with good mileage, ping me at maorshondas at gmail.com. Hello, Andy. Hi, Maor. Nice to see you again. Great to see you, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and uh, just realizing we could have done this in person. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's like sometimes <laughs> like two years, two years on Zoom and you forget that like, oh, we, we could have done this in person. We're in the same city. That's right. We're both in Berlin. But uh, yeah, it is crazy like how we just kind of default to remote now in, in pretty much all cases. Uh, it's the same, same in my company. How about yourself? Do you like it, the remote or you're one of those people who's like now 100% in office because you guys have a new office? Uh, we have, yeah, we have an office uh, in uh, in Kaposadam in in Berlin, but um, you know, and I'm there, you know, a couple of times a week. But uh, I do a lot of lot of stuff remote, as do a lot of the team. You know, folks are in and out as they please. Some people never come to the office. Some people are there every day. Uh, you know, and we we don't we don't enforce it. We don't have like a back to the office rule. Yeah. Um, so Andy, let's start with kind of like a background, give a lengthy background to yourself. Um, and we are, I, I think we both agree we are two dinosaurs, so <laughs> go, feel free to go for it. Okay. All right. Do you ask for it, Maor? Um, okay. So if I go with my lengthy introduction, uh, I have to, I have to start way back. Um, so yeah, first of all, hi, my name is Andy Carvel. Uh, I'm co-founder and partner at Feature. We're a mobile growth consultancy based in Berlin. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go way back and start at the beginning. So um, yeah, when I was five years old, um, my my father, um, who was uh, one of the first generation of computer programmers, he was programming on on mainframes uh, in the UK, which is where I'm from. Um, he was coding um, on punch cards, like machine code for uh, mainframes for um, for the British Gas Company, um, programs to do things like calculating gas bills and regulating like gas supply operational like systems and stuff like this. So. Uh, like he was like you know true OG of of the computing era and uh, you know as such he 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 came home with a a home computer system a ZX Spectrum 48K which is a popular home computing system in the UK designed by a guy called Clive Sinclair who was a kind of a pre precursor to uh, folks like James Dyson who we have today who's got a long lineage of uh, inventors in the UK uh, anyway I told you this would be a long one um, so my my dad brings brings home a, a personal computer. Um, a home computer uh, system and, and teaches my brother and I how to how to program it. So I'm like five years old back then. He taught me the basics of literally like how to code basic actually, which is the built-in language. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just fell in love with computers and uh, particularly with computer games. So from very early age, all I wanted to do was make games. Um, and I did, I was making games through my childhood. Um, went to university to to get a degree in, in computer science um, in, and uh, was looking for, for jobs in the games industry as soon as I graduated um, and ended up taking a job with Nokia, who were you know, not a classic arcade games company, but actually um, 
you know, they were they were looking to put games on mobile phones, which at the time were like pretty fancy new gadgets. Uh, and I found it a fantastic op optimizational challenge, uh, an op optimization challenge rather, um, to be coding games on these old systems. Uh, oh, sorry, that looked like looked like the games from the old systems, but on these brand new you know devices, these mobile phones that were super resource constrained. So I, I got to code games that looked like you know like the early arcade games um, and code them on uh, you know on these mobile phones, and so. Uh, I, I fell in love with with mobile and the way that that was going to change the industry um, and change the world um, and stayed in the mobile games industry as it became an industry uh, over the next 10 years. Um, so I was working for various companies uh, in the UK, um, producing, uh, developing and producing games and, and uh, getting a bit more into the distribution side as well. Um, at some point, I got a little tired of, of making games, actually, and uh, Went to business school, got my MBA, uh, ended up in Berlin with an ad tech company writing my dissertation. Um, uh, wrote my dissertation there. Uh, decided to stay in Berlin because I love love it here. Uh, still love it after 12 years. This was 12 years ago. I told you this would be a long story. I'm, I'm getting to the end now. <laughs> all good, all good. I'm, I'm enjoying. Um, so yeah, I um, once I decided I was going to stay in Berlin, um, I ended up at, at SoundCloud who were looking for somebody with a lot of mobile experience like so you know at that point i had over 10 years of mobile experience which not too many people had back in uh the 2011 i think it was um and uh yeah they, they were looking to to get some some help from someone who knew a lot about mobile because they could see a kind of a shift in their usage from web to mobile usage but they they had no real idea how to how to grow mobile apps um and so they brought me on to help them figure that out and uh Yep, that's I stayed there four and a half years. Um, did some some really fun stuff there. It's where I came up with this thing called the mobile growth stack, which is like a framework, um, yeah, to help people understand how to grow a mobile app. Um, it's also where I met my business partner uh, Moritz, who uh, you know, we, and we left you know left SoundCloud together to to set up Feature, which we spell with a PH. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that brings us up to the present day. That was six years ago, and uh, since then I've been building feature, and we're we're helping companies all around the world to uh, to grow their mobile apps and to apply the mobile growth stack and and other frameworks. So we're gonna get to feature in a second. It's like actually, so after that lengthy background, and thank you for that. Um, what is the short elevator pitch for fe for feature? Uh, the very short version would be we help apps grow. Um, so yeah, a slightly longer version we. We help apps grow by, um, you know, through data and systematic systematic processes. So we typically work with B two C apps, um, tend to tend to be slightly later stage apps and brands. You know, brands that want to really succeed on mobile um, that already have maybe a mobile presence, but uh, they're looking to get a bit more systematic about mobile growth. Uh, we can help them. You know, I, I felt even weird about the when I wrote this question, like the phrasing, an elevator pitch, <laughs> because. It's quite it's quite incredible. I'm gonna touch on that again. It's like uh, so feature is quite unique. Um, I, like I actually didn't know that you worked in like an ad tech company in the past as well. Because mm -hmm. feature technically is within advertising technology, marketing technology. Mm -hmm. But I don't even think that you guys pitch. You're like I don't know. You're you have so I was looking at your website. You have a ton of awards. So mm. something about feature is very unique. Um, so. Maybe uh, you know, maybe going for the background a little bit. Why did you start Feature? Uh, great question. So yeah, I mean, I think 
as I mentioned, back at SoundCloud, if we go back to 2014, um, I published this, uh, this mobile growth stack. Uh, I presented it at a, a conference at App Promotion Summit in Berlin, actually. Um, and I, I published it on a blog post the same day. Uh, and by the evening of that day, uh, that blog post had gone like pretty viral, um, certainly you know, more viral than anything else I ever posted. Uh, and it was getting picked up and circulated by like VCs in, in Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, a lot of techie companies, you know, like all over the world and a lot of folks who I, you know, looked up to and respected both in terms of companies and individuals were, you know, retweeting this or, you know, like it was, it was, it was pretty exciting. Um, and it seemed like it really kind of touched, you know, struck a chord with the industry that uh, pe people have been kind of looking for something to kind of get everyone on the same page, both, you know, literally and, and figuratively. Um, in terms of just how to approach mobile growth in a holistic way. Uh, and um, yeah, so that inspired me, of course, to, to kind of keep working on, on the framework. Um, I worked on it a bit with Moritz, who uh, you know, I ended up setting, setting up feature with. Um, but before we left SoundCloud, uh, you know, we, we released like a, another version of the mobile growth stack, an, an update uh, that also went super viral. And you know, that, the, the, the blog post was, was super well read. And it was kind of at that point, this was like 2015, uh, that we, you know, we started to get requests from companies all around the world asking for, you know, could we, could we help them, you know, with a bit of consultancy, help them figure out their mobile strategy, help them apply the mobile growth stack. Um, and, uh, you know, I asked my boss at work, like at SoundCloud, like, hey, like, you know, this, this company wants me to go help them out. Like, do you mind if I take a day off and, and go talk to them? And, and he's like, no, no, sure. Like, you know, you might learn something you can bring back here. So, um, so yeah, we, you know, we did that. I, I went with Moritz on, on these engagements. We did, we did two, um, we took two days off each time. We did these, uh, two day, very kind of condensed, pretty high pressure, uh, mobile growth audits as we would then call them. Basically we, we would go in and audit an app business, um, you know, in, in, a, in basically one day and then kind of present our results and have a discussion on the second day. Um, so, you know, super accelerated uh, intense process, um, you know, using the mobile growth stack as a framework. And so during that, that, you know, during basically through those two engagements, we learned a couple of things. First of all, uh, we can do this and uh, the companies were really happy with the result. Secondly, we could charge money for it. I think we doubled the price on the second one and they, they didn't even blink. So we're like, oh, okay, whoa, okay. We can make, we can make money with this. And so uh, basically those two things, you know, like uh, we, we got on really well, we were able to kind of prove the model and uh, and we already had pull from the market. So really, I think at that point it became a no-brainer. Like, hey, you know, we can make more doing this in in two days than we could we, than we make in a month salary. Um, you know, there's not much risk here. We've got demand already. Let's go do this. You know, there's clearly a lot of companies out there that that, that want want our help. So let's let's um, let's fulfill that that need in the market. So that was the that's cool. That was the impetus. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And by the way, I, I guess you, you probably sometimes always shout out to, to your manager at SoundCloud that was like, yeah, fine, for sure. Yes, yes. It. Thanks, Ewald, for that. Because yeah. <laughs> that's not super common. Um, now, again, going to like the question I, I mentioned earlier, what makes features so unique? So, like, you, so you guys work with the company I love the most in the world. I, I think <laughs> I mentioned this to you. I'm, I'm a Lego freak, not just a Lego fan. I have like an enormous collection of Lego, many ideas. Amazing. And we're talking about thousands of euros, thousands, <laughs> actually, probably like, again, 
<laughs> five digits for sure, but Ooh. I'm trying to think again if it's like upper level five digits or lower level, somewhere in the middle. Do, do you have so, the uh, the Millennium Falcon? I do have the Millennium Falcon <laughs> as well. Awesome. Yeah. No, no, I have, a, I have a crazy. So again, it's like what makes Fixture so unique that you're attracting not just, again, you're relatively a young company, mm -hmm. okay? You're not like a 120 year old agency that has like roots into, I don't know, Rothschild. Mm -hmm. uh, you're relatively young, but you're, you have mega big brands that typically wouldn't even consider working with a young agency. Yeah, we're uh, we're incredibly fortunate in that respect, you know, and incredibly grateful for the the kind of brands that we're able to attract and and work with, you know. And it's I think what's great is that they 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 come to us, you know. We're not actually doing any outbound sales efforts, like you know, into the market, not yet. Um, you know, we'll we'll get there. We'll build out a sales team, but but for now, you know, like all of our growth over the last six years has been from from inbound leads and 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 referrals, which is I also I, from what I hear also fairly non-standard situation for an agency so i think we're we're super lucky in that respect um you know what makes us unique uh i i would say a couple of things but probably the first one probably the most important thing is like neither moritz nor i have any experience doing agency stuff like since before we started feature so like we're, we're just making this up as we go along right and uh like you know, we 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 don't know how it's supposed to be done in the agency. Um, and uh, I and uh, what I hear from at least at least some of our clients and prospects is that they find that very refreshing. You know that we have we're coming at it from a little bit of a different angle. Maybe um, you know we're coming at it from a pretty hopefully a very customer centric perspective because we've been there at you know a mobile app publisher and you know we we've under we've been working on growth in house. You know before we came out to do this. We're essentially doing what we would do in-house at a company, but we're, we're productizing that as a service um, with a very strong emphasis on, on impact and measurability and you know data and all, all that good stuff. Um, so to kind of come to the, I guess the, the second point is like, uh, you know, we we do really focus on impact and we also really know the mobile space. I think that we've got our frameworks and whatever, you know, I think we, we have a lot of, um cachet i guess in in the industry for you know for actually understanding mobile and and we also share a lot you know through our frameworks and blogs and and bits and pieces we we put a lot of knowledge out there as well so i think we're pretty transparent with the way that we operate and, and we're not afraid to kind of give away our secrets we actually think that there aren't really any secrets in the industry it's just really about you know, like doing good work and, and the more transparent you can be, the better. And yeah, it's nice to see that that's resonating well with, with the market. Um, and actually Lego that, that, that you mentioned, it's, it, that's a great example. We actually displaced a kind of more traditional digital agency for, for like, at least for the mobile side of things. I, th I think they're still working with that agency on, um, on some, you know, like other digital marketing efforts, but um, they wanted to bring in like a pure play mobile expert um, uh, you know, that's why they chose feature. And so we, we were, you know, very excited to win that. Cool. That's cool. And by the way, I must, so I will admit that, um, I was very happy again as CEO for incremental co-founder, like when you guys added causal analysis or incrementality analysis mm. to the stack this year, I showed it around to all investors. Look, okay. We're not the only ones that believe that this is like something that marketers should be thinking on. So that was, uh, very cool. Um, now. Right. Uh, you know, you met, you mentioned you don't have outbound and you might get it yet. And you're, you're more than a hundred people, right? 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, 136 as of today. Okay. Yeah, so there's like, you know, there's one thing to like not have outbound up to 20, 30, 40 if we go like, but like mm -hmm. this is quite, quite impressive. And what I wanted to also ask you, and it's kind of related also to a question I, I do love asking other entrepreneurs. Um, how did you trickle the original working culture you and Moritz had to the team? Uh, yeah, great, uh, great question. I think it's, um, I think questions around culture uh, are always interesting to me, company culture, because I, I think there, there are different schools of thought on how much a company or a management team or you know, founders can really dictate and control the culture within a company. And I, I think I'm slightly more on the, on the, the side of this kind of uh, theory that actually it's not really something you can really control, at least not in a fine-grained way. Uh, I think the best best that you can do is, is have a clear set of values that you kind of regularly um, demonstrate and, and espouse and, and, you know, maybe kind of communicate particularly to the new starters. And we do all that stuff. You know, we have our, our feature values and, and, you know, all of this kind of slightly corporate stuff. But, you know, I, I do think it's important to at least try to kind of change the you know change the culture and control the culture i guess or in in a way that you feel still is you know representative of your original vision but um but quite frankly like you know every new person who joins a team is going to contribute to that culture and it's ultimately going to potentially modify that culture as well and i think that's a that's a good thing um you know we really celebrate diversity i think we've got something like 40 different nationalities in in that team of 136 um and, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid of the culture changing, actually. Uh, and neither do I feel the need to totally control it. But uh, but back to your question, which I think is more like, how did we at least like in the early days or maybe even now, how do we kind of transmit that kind of vision or feeling of like what, what kind of company we want to be? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a lot to do with, you know, regular communication. Um, I think it's to do with, being really selective on the hiring side um, and working particularly, particularly in the early days. But even now, uh, you know, Moritz and I are still involved in all of the kind of, uh, particularly the senior hires and, and quite a lot of the others that, that we actually try to be in that hiring process um, that we're, we're, we're bringing the right people into the team because every new person in the team will, will affect the culture. And, and as I said, that's, that's, a, that's a positive thing, I think. Um, yeah, and uh, I also make a, a point of meeting all of the new starters, uh, and we do it in batches now every couple of weeks, where I kind of tell the you know story of like how we founded Feature and uh, what we believe in and, and what's important and all that stuff. And I think it's really important to kind of keep repeating that stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I'm under no illusions that it suddenly magically creates a certain culture that that we're completely in control of. And as I said, I I, I don't mind that not being in control of that completely, but at least we're setting the tone. One thing, by the way, that I can, so first of all, I extremely like very much relate uh, to your thoughts in regards to culture. It's not like a, I don't know, a poster on the wall and everybody, this is what uh, we put on the website and, and that's it. We don't live by that. And new people essentially have no say in, no, I completely agree with you that culture is a being and it gets formed mm -hmm. by the people in it. I do also, like, I have sensed something. So when I used to be at Uplift, we also had close to 40 nationalities. 
I think mm-hmm. being so diversified as a company, it makes the dominant culture, the company culture, rather than whatever original cultures people come from. And there again, mm. we're talking about working culture versus, let's say, uh, life culture. Um, and again, when you, when you basically need to all think twice because most of us are speaking a second language or we need to work harder at communication because we are 40-something nationalities, it, it has a big plus to the company culture to sustaining a certain company culture. At least, I don't know, it's my opinion. Ah, I'd never considered that. That's a really interesting perspective, Maori. Yeah, and um, I, I, it's totally valid hypothesis. Uh, yeah, I can totally believe it. When you hire people, and usually, again, the question is about kind of like piece of advice for people entering the industry, but let's go, hmm. you know, closer to house, a, a piece of advice for someone joining feature. Ah, well, I would say like, I mean, I can broaden it. I mean, it wouldn't be just for people joining feature, but I think anyone getting into, into mobile growth marketing, uh, you know, I, I could, I could give a few tips, uh, but, but yeah, sure. Like this would definitely also apply for new starters. I mean, uh, first, first of all, I'd say like, try to kind of learn as much as possible and keep on learning. Um, you know, that's kind of maybe a little trite, but, uh, it's of course true. You know, the, the one constant is, is change in this industry uh, and in the world in general. So I think, uh, you know, the, the people that get ahead are the ones that are not afraid to learn new things. Um, you know, they don't just come in as, you know, experts in their field, but, you know, that field is also evolving. So, um, you know, and I think um, I think another piece of advice, which I generally give to people, it's, it's one of one of my kind of hobby horse topics. But uh, if you'll if you'll allow me the, um, the, the room to just expand on it is, um, yeah, it's just that like, you know, startup culture and, and Silicon Valley uh, didn't didn't invent marketing. Uh, I think there's there's often this this um, kind of misperception, misconception that uh, that somehow we're doing something brand new here because it's mobile or because it's you know it's um, you know digital or it's you know it's using data that it's it's somehow something crazy. Like we, like we didn't invent data-driven marketing. Um, casinos actually like did very well with that a long time ago, as did bricks and mortar retail like a long time ago with couponing and things like this and uh, loyalty schemes. Um, and I think, you know, I'm very, very grateful that I got the opportunity to go to business school and at least scratch the surface of some of the more sort of established, you know, historical marketing theory, because I think it gave me a great grounding and a great kind of just zoomed out perspective of like what we're doing here when we go in and, you know, working on like digital, digital products and, and, and mobile app marketing. It's nice to be able to take that step back and and remind myself, like, you know, a lot of what we're doing here is just kind of rebranded versions of like, you know, stuff that actually people were doing in the seventies, like in, in the marketing space, like, you know, net promoter scores is, you know, I think that's a guy called Frederick Reichheld, I think came up with that a long time ago. Um, and, you know, and so on and so forth, customer lifetime value, like all of these things, which are like buzzwords in, in, in our space, uh, they're not new, new terms. So back, back to, uh, you know, back to your question. I, I, I definitely also advise people to, um, you know, to, to read some like classic marketing journal papers and and some classic marketing texts as it's uh it's not like we're doing totally new stuff here okay cool and actually that's that's an amazing segue to the most generic question i ask in the series um is marketing an art or a science um i think it's definitely both um you know i i think there's uh, and if if that's not too much of a cop-out but you know like uh i i think i think that 
a lot of the best things a lot of the the the, the art which i enjoy has like you know is powered by science to some degree and i would say that marketing is is no different in that like you know there's there should be like a qualitative element to things and a creative element to things you know marketing is ultimately creative at the end of the day it's it's it should be should have some some human creativity in there um but it should you know can often be like measured better with science it can be often optimized better through scientific method um and uh you know i think that the real um beauty is when those those two kind of differing approaches kind of you know collide and, and intersect uh so yeah i think yeah that's that's my answer by the way the the answer itself to the question is not really what is that interesting because there's three choices it's how people defend their answers that is what is the interesting part of this question usually because again it's like mm -hmm. usually people will say one or both or the other um jumping into a lightning round mm -hmm. so i'm gonna just gonna mm -hmm. throw some topics terms whatever just come up with what comes to uh, up to your head um tiny 350 banners okay can you just explain to me what uh, what you mean by that precisely yeah so uh, like a big chunk of mobile advertising for some reason mm -hmm. has been these like footer tiny banners that are oh, like... yeah yep that you always kind of slip on with your with your thumb when you're trying to press yeah yeah fat thumb, thumb. Uh, fat thumb uh, syndrome i think Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I uh, totally understand why why they're good for monetization, maybe, but uh, I'm not sure how valuable the traffic is when it's somebody who slipped on a, you know, who pressed on an accidental banner that popped up at an inopportune moment. You know, that's probably been well A/B tested, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that brings valuable traffic. But... Okay, professional influencer marketing. Uh, I think it's uh, necessary evil. I think it's here to stay. Uh, I do worry that like the traditional kind of regulation around advertising is, is well and tr truly screwed these days. You know, you, you never really know what's an advert and what's not anymore. Uh, and there's no possible way that I can see that that's going to be regulated anytime soon. So like all of the safeguards about what you can say around products are now, you know, they're gone. Um, but, you know, like it or not, like it's, it's not going anywhere. And, uh, and, and to be fair, maybe some of these professional in influencers Adverts are a lot less abrasive than uh, the, the shitty ads that I often get hit when I'm trying to watch a music video on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I, I got premium. Uh, it's funny, you know, um, uh, like I've been in this space for like 20 plus years and I have an ad blocker and I pay for YouTube premium. So mm -hmm. world's biggest <laughs> hypocrite, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps. I don't know. Um, perhaps, but I don't know. 15% um, standard agency fee. Uh, I think that's a little steep, frankly. Um, but uh, you're, you're talking about percentage of ad spend, right? And I'm talking about, you know, the traditional way typical like uh, um, agencies used to work is 15% mm -hmm. agency fee. Okay. Like you basically like limit yourself to the value you're getting from the agency because everything is based on them spending your money. And I know feature works differently. Uh, we work a lot on retainer. Um, yeah, so we have we have a slightly different model now on on the the UA side. Like we, uh, I didn't mention actually what we what we do. So maybe just for the for the sake of clarity, I, I can just quickly run through the you know what what kind of services we do. Like uh, so, 
we do organic um, and paid acquisition. Uh, I know that Thomas Petit would definitely say this. There's no such thing as organic, but uh, but I yeah, agree. But, I agree 100. By the way, sure. No, I mean it, it's absolutely right, and that's why we we think actually part of our proposition that we you know, we can offer both of those things together. We're very well known for app store optimization, uh, which some people would call organic optimization, but of course, like uh, it has a you know a, like a symbiosis with uh, with paid acquisition, and, and we can also cover that for. A variety of mobile channels, uh, Apple search ads, Google app campaigns, Snap, TikTok, etc. Um, uh, and then, yeah, we also have retention services and, and uh, subscription optimization. So it's pretty much full funnel. Um, and uh, yeah, most of those services out, outside of uh, performance marketing, where we do do percentage of ad spend with um, with a with a minimum minimum monthly minimum fee. Um, outside of that, we uh, we we work on a retainer model. So uh, basically. Client pays a fixed fee per month. Um, they, you know, we don't charge by the hour. Um, I, I don't believe that's the the right model for um, having experts and and uh, you know it doesn't incentivize anybody to to do the best work. It, it incentivizes the agency to spend more hours, which I don't think is in anyone's interest. Um, but we, you know, we do hopefully great work um, for you know for retainer fee. Um, and the client, uh, you know, retains our services over you know, several months or years um, and has us as a trusted partner through that time where we will be working on, you know, an agreed scope of stuff. And that depends, you know, that that affects how, how big the retainer is, you know, how many markets, how many uh, platforms, uh, this kind of thing. Cool. And um, maybe your favorite Lego set? My favorite Lego set. We have in the office uh, the Lego Yoda, uh, not the uh, maybe the baby Yoda as well, but we have like a, a full size Yoda with um, with a lightsaber. That's that's pretty awesome. I'd say that's my favorite. Okay, cool. So you're into Star Wars as well as well. Uh, I'm. I wouldn't say that I'm a like hardcore Star Wars fan, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I like the original. Uh, you know, the original, which was the. I forget even how four, many five, and six. four, five, and six. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would get it as the original saga. Cool. And mm. Andy, what's a random fact about you? Uh, well, um, I it's my mission in life. Essentially, it's my my goal in life to have a pet pig, a miniature pig. I, uh, that that yeah will be called Harrison. <laughs> Not not because of Star Wars. It's not a Star Wars reference. No, no. Again, you have, you have a corgi now, so you you basically yes. want to get a friend for your corgi. Yeah. So um, yeah, because like you know, I'm not sure I can own a pig in the the place that I have now. I don't I really have. I don't really have enough room outside for it to run around in. But a corgi is actually like the, pretty much the closest thing you can get to a pig. Like she she she's still a puppy. She's seven months old now, but she will round out pretty nicely. She will become very stout and and quite pig like actually. Cool. And um, well, obvious question, but I think it's a, like people probably already know. How can people find you, reach you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can reach me at um, uh, of my email uh, Andy at feature.com. That's with a p h i t u r e dot com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter. It's at Andy underscore Carvel. I, I never realized when I set up my Twitter account years ago that you're supposed to keep the handles short. So. Uh, yeah, it's Andy underscore Carvel. Um, yeah, or or you can you can reach me by the the feature website as well. Cool. And you guys also have a Slack channel, Slack community that you operate. Oh yes, sorry. Thanks for for giving me the the, <laughs> the chance to plug that. Yes, yeah, so we have two Slack communities actually. We have ASO Stack Slack and Mobile Growth Stack Slack. These are communities full of uh, industry professionals where 
folks can kind of network, share knowledge, best practice, that kind of stuff. Um, you can find both of those and sign up for them on feature.com. So P-H-I-T-U-R-E.com. Cool. I'm going to put some links on the uh, description. And by the way, Andy, Thanks. I just want to, I think, I, I don't know if I've ever told this to you, but like what you guys do as a company gives me continuous inspiration. So like the wow. fact that you're so openly educate, educating the market. I've seen you like in an upgrowth summit where you basically had the stage for like 50 minutes and any other vendor might have like stood there and just pitch, 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 pitch. And then I would want to typically shoot myself. You <laughs> didn't. You were just showing um, use case after use case, best practices after best practices. Uh, and again, the website, the community is just full of content. Um, so like it, it inspired me to really, really try to do the same. I would say this podcast is probably a direct inspiration to what you guys are doing. So um, it's, it's wow. true honor for me to have you as a guest. And that's why I was chasing you for a couple of <laughs> weeks to make sure that you come on. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very humbled by uh, what you just said there. It's, uh, it's just in our DNA you know, to share. We really genuinely believe that this whole industry is everybody's learning here. Um, so we don't see any point in trying to, you know, hide our knowledge away. Like we, we've found it's actually, it's beneficial for us and it's beneficial for everyone if we're pretty transparent and open and we, we do try to share. So it's great to see that recognized. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you again for your time. Have a lovely rest of the day. Thanks, Malor. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks.